right, Brian, thanks so much for joining today. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself to get started here? Excellent. Well, I've got a, a varied past. <laughs> uh, my day job right now is I'm the director of innovation at Nelnet, uh, where I'm in charge of both our venture investing side of the, the table. So we invest in startups all across the, the Midwest and other places. Uh, but then I also handle the inside innovation efforts. So helping our own internal teams across our different business units uh, understand and, and navigate and kind of coach and consult uh, new projects and, and new ways of uh, work within our own company. So that's, that's what I do on a, ba a daily basis. Um, I also run InsideOutside.io, which is a, a weekly podcast, newsletter, and an annual event coming up here in October, uh, io2020.live, uh, that I'll tell you a little bit more later. And that's got to be changing a little bit in the new. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exciting though. I, I've been following a lot of your content, and I, I I love what you're doing with Inside Out. It's really really cool. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting because um, you know my background pr prior to uh, joining Nelnet and prior prior to Inside Outside, I, I started a, a st first startup accelerator here in Nebraska called Enmotion. So about eight years ago, we started uh, you know investing in early stage technology startups and. Uh, actually, a couple of weeks ago, we just had a, a big exit. Quantified Ag just sold to Merck uh, Animal yes. uh, Health, so that was a big win for the ecosystem. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been fun over the last ten years to help build a startup ecosystem here in, in the Midwest, and and through that process, learn myself what it takes to to launch new ideas and help people do that. Love it, love it. Well, let's dive into that a little bit. I'm I'm curious. So here on Option Five, we talk a lot about product teams, product culture how those teams are structured, how they think, maybe what they do. As you've been working with, you know, startups and innovation teams or, or even helping to kind of foster that innovation inside your own organization, mm -hmm. um, what, are, what are some kind of key factors that you see on those teams or with those individuals that, that just get them to, to kind of take it to the next level? Well, I think when I start working with companies, especially within bigger companies uh, and the teams that are not necessarily used to innovating as fast as in the startup realm, um, the first thing I like to talk about really is level setting of what innovation is. You know, mm -hmm. innovation's got this broad term and what does it mean? And people think of Uber or Twitter and that, but innovation can also be, hey, we've figured out some problem in our existing system. And if we just tweak it, that'll create some value in the organization. And when you take that, that approach to innovation and help people understand that it's a, a continuum mm -hmm. and that different types of tactics and different things work depending on what you're trying to build or what you're trying to create. And uh, I think that helps people kind of opens up what innovation can be for a team. Uh, it doesn't have to be, I've got to think of the most amazing thing uh, to, to be innovative. You know, it really can be, let's start simple. Let's focus on a small task. Let's add some value and that's innovation. And that's where you start that flywheel going. So, so press into that a little bit. Where, where are areas that you've seen innovation start? Because in my mind, of course, in our world, it's primarily in you know, technology, right? Mm -hmm. So do you see it in other places? I mean, if you're talking about innovation can kind of be used in any one of those, those spots, how, how do you see it being applied across an organization? So one of the things we do at Nelnet, we have something called uh, Spark. And we've kind of based it off uh, 1 million cups, which we stole from the startup world. Uh, and as you know, One Million Cups started in Kansas City, and, yeah. and we, we run One Million Cups up here in, in Nebraska. Uh, and having worked in the startup realm and, and you know, seeing new companies present every week about what they were building and that, and then share that with the community and then get community feedback, we said, wouldn't that be interesting if we did a similar type of environment uh, within our own walls? Mm, and cool. you know, now that's 
we're 6,500 employees. We're very diversified, different business units, everything from fiber to the home with our Allo service uh, to our traditional student loan financing and things like that. And so because we're a big company and because we are oftentimes siloed in these business units, we thought it'd be interesting to open that up. And once a month, we have what we call Spark, which is basically an opportunity for an inside entrepreneur or to talk about the project that they're building uh, and kind of share that across the different organizations. And while that's been great for the individual kind of projects or new startups within the company to kind of give them a showcase platform, what we've really found out is it really sparks uh, different types of collaboration. So, you know, somebody presents what they're doing in this side of the house and it's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that can apply over here. Or, hey, I've got a connection for you that I would have never made directly because I'm not working in your silo. But because of that collaboration and that network, uh, it actually has sped up the, the ability for these ideas to take take hold and move forward. How much of innovation do you think then is about a shift in a mindset? So you're, what mm. you're describing there is, to, at least the way I perceive that is, through an activity, through, through an opportunity to share, which we actually talk about in our framework of um, adaptive loop is what we call it. So in an adaptive loop, there is a, you know, collecting ideas, there is then deciding which one, you know, making a prioritization, yep. making a decision. There is the experiment, which every loop has an experiment loop, right? Um, so you're going to do that with an MVP or in lean or however you want to think about that is there's an experiment that takes place. And then the last part that we added to that loop is actually an act of sharing. And it's more closer to the scientific community where there's value in the experiment, right? Right. But there's also value in the, the sharing of the results, both positive, negative, wins, fails, et cetera. I'm wondering if, if in your environments, when people start to share and then does it unlock uh, the thinking? So maybe you can unpack sure. that a little bit. Sounds like that's what's happening. So one of the pillars that I believe is, is really important to innovation is accelerating that curiosity and, mm. and accelerating that ability to see across different, um, different industries, different um, things, you know, and, and kind of put these puzzle pieces together that might not normally be put together. And so, you know, and I've learned this obviously being on the venture side and that just seeing thousands of, you know, types of pitches and, yeah. and the, you know, company that pitches me over here, it's like, well, that's pretty interesting. Like I, I can apply that to this industry or, or what's going on over there. So um, having that curiosity and that mindset to look beyond your, your traditional um, way of thinking in that, I think is one of the first steps that you've got to kind of accelerate in your organization or within yourself. Um, so you can, you know, prime that curiosity muscle, uh, and then give you the opportunity to uh, find other things that 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 make sense. Uh, and it, it's not something that's very that you can predict what's going to happen, but you right. kind of open open yourself up for the luck that's going to happen because you are experiencing these different types of collisions. It's the old. I mean, like I think, gosh, the word serendipity got like yeah. just destroyed in the in the early two thousands. I feel like we were all using that word because it it is what we were feeling though, right? It's by showing up and being present in these communities or in this 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 new space of thinking that you do, you get people that just are all like, what if we, what if, you know, yeah. like that question, question gets added a lot. What if we tried that? What if, mm -hmm. what if we don't do it? What will happen if we don't do it? What are, you know? And then I think what, what that also allows you to do is once you start building that curiosity, you, by the nature of that, you've got to start reaching out to different networks. And so yeah. the ability to accelerate the network uh, effect, kind of yeah. like you're saying that sharing, I think, um, allows you to then accelerate uh, a lot of other things, the action part. So if you, you know, accelerate the curiosity, then accelerate your network, and then finally you accelerate the action around that, 
that all those things become a flywheel that allow you to move faster, iterate, throw away the bad ideas and mm -hmm. put the next one in uh, and move it forward. What do you think, what do you see or what have you seen either inside your organization or with the venture work that you've done? What keeps people from doing this? What, what's the thing that's holding them back? Yeah. So, uh, so one of the things that I see, especially in the in corporate world is um, th they have different types of constraints and, and they have, sometimes they're real constraints and sometimes they're, you know, made up or thought of constraints. Yeah, right. Um, I think one of the biggest constraints is they think it has to be big to begin with. Mm -hmm. So they immediately start with the biggest idea and it's got to be, you know, this massive market that we've got to go after and uh, we've got to be able to serve these five different customer segments to start with or we can't even get it off the ground. And so stepping back and saying, okay, that may be the case and that may be where we want to go, but how do we niche and kind of understand if we're even on the right path? Yeah. Uh, how do we, how do we break it apart and kind of work through a series of experimentation um, loops that allow us to, to make progress uh, towards the ultimate end goal, but not have to say we need a million dollars in six months just to see if we're right on this first thing. So I think that's really part of the thing is helping people understand the framework of um, the, the size and scope uh, that yeah. you can make a lot of progress very quickly um, mm -hmm. by just asking those questions like, what do you need to learn today? How can we learn that in two hours versus two months? Is there something that we can de-risk the idea or get some more certainty by just taking a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and a little bit of action uh, to move that idea to the next stage? And then again, bet, bet and continue to bet on the, on the things that get traction or continue to seem like they're moving forward in the right direction. I think that it does take what you're describing though, takes a lot of, uh, self-discipline, right? I mean, no, that, absolutely. Is, that is an incredibly difficult thing to not chase the beautiful, we were talking earlier. Um, you know, we deal with this a lot at being an agency that helps product folks. And one of the biggest issues is that once somebody sees a Ferrari, you're like, Oh, there are no other cars <laughs> in the world, but a Ferrari. Right. And they can't think of the idea that, well, but I just need to drive down the road and a, you know, a 98 Honda Civic will get me there. You're right. Um, and, and not, not being focused on the only way I can get down the road is in a Ferrari, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's a really, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of self-control to, 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 to bring that back in. Um, what, what do you think, um, helps to foster that? What are things that people can do to actually help them, think about building smaller or working on an MVP or moving that way? So I think some of it is part of putting constraints around it to begin with. So one of the things we look at is when we have a brand new idea that comes out from the crowd, um, we, ha we have a, something called two, three, four. So we first thing you do is you, what can you, how do you take that idea and two hours and kind mm -hmm. of flesh it out? What's your assumptions around it? Give me a business model canvas, kind of, kind of lay the land uh, in two hours why do you think this is something we should be looking at and pursuing? And then you take that to a series of folks and say, okay, here's my two hour uh, idea. Uh, what do you think of this? Is this something that we should be pursuing? And if that gets green lighted, then you get three days to move it to the next step. Oh, I like it. And in that three days, that is maybe you do some customer discovery interviews, you see additional research on, uh, you know, what are the riskiest things in your initial assumptions? And then you come back and say, okay, after three days, we're a little bit further along, now we probably need to put a team around it and mm -hmm. we'll, we're going to take four weeks. And so it's two, three, four. And the fourth is four weeks. And then that's when you spin up maybe a, your first prototype or MVP. And at that point, again, each time you're incrementally uh, betting uh, small bets 
And it's not a big deal if you lose, or if, if it comes out to that first two hours and you say, hey, I, I read this report after I thought it was a great idea and, and 25 other people are doing this and we're probably not in the best position to do it. Okay, let's right, throw it away, right. pick something else up and we have two more hours to, to work on something else. Even to the extent where, it, even if you get down to the four week level, you've only spent four weeks and a small right. team to figure out if you're on the right path. And if you are on the right path, well, then that's where you can say, okay, what's the next step that we need to do? Do we need to uh, you know, build out a complete team and, and silo that from the rest of the organization? What does that look like? Uh, I almost treat it like a, a venture-backed startup. Yeah. And so you're, you're incrementally betting on the companies uh, that show traction in the marketplace. And if not, you can put it back into the funnel and pick the next one up off the line and you do a similar process. Oh man, I, I feel like we could both just stand on a mountaintop and just like <laughs> preach for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, we've had some conversations in the past, not a lot because we don't do much government work, but in the past we've had some conversations with the government and we were working through another vendor and one of the things they said was like, expect it's a five-year process. <laughs> what, right. five years? I mean, there, anything can happen in five years. So I love this idea of the two, three, four. I might, um, I might borrow some of that. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, well, the, you know, I, I talked, um, I was trying to talk to our management team about some of the things that were happening uh, around COVID and that. And the example I used was Airbnb. And you mm, think about it. So that's a company that's a great example of how a brand new company in a matter of 12 years can go yeah. from nothing and selling cereal boxes at the democratic national convention to right. in 12 years being worth more than Hilton and Hyatt combined. Right. And then in a matter of 12 days, the entire travel ecosystem is turned upside down and their business model is completely thrown out the, the and it, they were on the precipice of you know, probably the largest or best IPO of the year. I know. Um, and so a company that disrupted an entire industry in a very short amount of time, 12 years, is it in itself then disrupted again in a matter of 12 days? And how right. does that happen? And that, that sequence of events, I think you're going to see more and more as all these types of technologies start to hit, as you have the things like, you know, pandemics or whatever. Um, and so how do you create an organization that's resilient and ability to um, have things in the pipeline and be able to ch take and do things differently uh, when the time comes, whether, whether that's 12 years or 12 days down the road. So you talk about resilience and this is some of the things that we talk with our, our um, enterprise clients as well. The idea of being a hundred year old company anymore is it's almost like, I think <laughs> yeah. I, there's a generation going, Oh yeah. Right. Um, but I think that if they adopt what you're talking about, there is the possibility still that that can be a reality but you have to be ready to change all the time. Yeah, and Airbnb is probably an excellent example that will probably come out of the, this uh, much better than other existing yeah. travel companies that weren't as prepared or, or didn't have that ethos uh, built into their organization to begin with. But uh, you know, that, that disruption is real. So good. Um, what are what are other ways um, you talk about the two, three, four? Are there other activities or other kind of first steps that people can take to to start exploring innovation, even either inside their own company or maybe if they're doing a startup? Yeah, so I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of David Bland and Alexander Osterwalder and all their work with Strategizer, Tendai Vicky. Um, all those folks have been on my show and and had and and or have come to our um, our event every year. Uh, and it really taught me and I've really learned a lot from what they're doing as far as testing business model assumptions and uh, kind of the, creating that invincible company that does, has the capability to both explore new stuff as well as exploiting their existing business models. And I think the, the more 
that becomes the nomenclature and the ways of thinking, I think that's uh, really the, the realm of the future. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Well, um, wrapping up, what, what are ways that people can learn more about you and what you're working mm -hmm. on and where you are? Yeah, so uh, I'm available on Twitter at, at Ardinger. Uh, InsideOutside.io is the community of uh, innovators and builders and creators that we host the, the podcast and weekly newsletter on. And then check out our io2020.live event. That's going to be October 20th through 22nd. We're bringing together the best and the brightest in the world of innovation and startups. Uh, we're going to have a startup showcase and uh, welcome any or all of your uh, folks, listeners, friends, and family to uh, come and join us. That's fantastic. And if you aren't following Inside Out, just subscribe now. It's incredible. It's great <laughs> content. Uh, love what you're doing, Brian. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks very much.